This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It is the Batter Up Podcast for the 9th of June. Hope you're enjoying yourself and having a nice day. Willie P., Joe Patrick, and Caleb Johnson here with you. And the landscape really hasn't changed. There's still a lot of infighting. There's still a lot of back and forth, but we're here to try and navigate you through it. We say hello to Joe Patrick. Willie P., how's it going, man? I'm good, sir. Hello to you, Caleb Johnson. What's up? So the landscape right now is somewhat at an impasse, as we've talked about over the course of the last month and change with regards no, to... you wouldn't say. <laughs> where, where baseball and its players have been continuing to fight with each other. Uh, the length of games, the amount of pay is continuing to be the, the marker. And while I think more of the conversation is optimistic about there actually being a season, regardless of length, regardless of legitimacy, and regardless of how much actually gets paid to the players we'll hold that part of the discussion off for later on in the podcast because we want to focus on simply what this means for the Braves and what it has to do with whether or not a longer season benefits them a shorter season the impacts of those types of things on the Atlanta Braves and I'll start with with you Joe because I know that that you were always kind of the proponent of wanting to see a shorter season you know the 48 to 50 game sprint Uh, I'm not sure that that necessarily fits the Braves because I feel like the longer the season goes the better it is for Atlanta yeah, I've kind of said that I w- I'm in favor of that shorter season just out of a purely uh, from a perspective of I just think it would be a really fun contrast to the way that baseball seasons normally go, right? Which is this kind of long uh, marathon instead of a, a sprint situation, which it looks like we'll be having. I think the Braves are still set up decently well for this situation. And, you know, I think when you talk about the biggest differences between uh, – a 50 game season and a 162 game season for the Braves it's it's going to affect the pitching staff pretty substantially and I think that the structure of that season will have implications on who makes the starting pitching rotation so for example I think you look at a guy like Sean Newcomb Sean Newcomb was a guy who obviously we know his pedigree is kind of as a starting pitcher but he hasn't really been consistent enough to fulfill that role with the Braves so far in his career he's had his ups and downs he's had obviously uh some really good moments and some some not. He looked pretty good as a relief pitcher last year, but he came in this year. They were going to give him a, an opportunity, you know, to to go back and reclaim that starting role and be that guy that they made the trade uh, the trade for to go get. And um, his situation, it looked like he would have been a starter pretty clearly based on what he was doing in spring training before all this happened. And now you look at it and you think, okay, is he going to be the guy that's kind of sacrificed to be one of the bullpen arms? Because 
you're kind of assuming, I think, at this point that some that starting pitchers aren't going to be able to go as long into games and that long relievers will be at a premium. Now, there's also another aspect of this, which is that Sean Newcomb, while he is kind of um, a, a starting pitcher by trade, he he was never really used as a long reliever last year. I was actually just looking at his stats, and the longest he ever went in a relief appearance was... Uh, okay, I get, he had one appearance where he went 4.2 innings. Um, that was on June 10th. But every other game in which he came in as a reliever, he pitched no more than two innings. So I don't know if that really qualifies him as like a long reliever, like you would say a guy like Josh Tomlin is, or potentially a guy like a Tuki Toussaint could be. But I think the Braves have lots of options they could go to for those long relief spots. And I think that that's why... Uh, you know, I, I think like uh, a shorter season like this and the way things are kind of setting up could uh, potentially benefit them. Well, Caleb, we always talked about the way the roster is constructed and how the Braves probably have more depth at the top or near top and more strength depth in that regard. And, and it all kind of depends to me about whether or not the Braves have enough slots to be able to fill players with, which I think they will. It's just how they utilize them. And and again, like I, I almost feel like, again, a longer season is more beneficial. I think a shorter season uh, allows for a margin for error that I don't, know, I don't know how they compensate for that, Caleb. Well, the shorter season, as we've seen the, the latest kind of projection of the 75 game season. So we're, so we're talking 15 games each starter gets to pitch, you know, with your with your typical five man rotation, which is why I think it it leaves less possibility for what we thought might the Braves might do early on with a six man rotation or them trying to figure things out uh, because we're now in this shortened time space. The Braves, you're right. The Braves do have to kind of figure this thing out a lot quicker which is why I lean towards the fact that, um, you know, Brian Snicker has kind of shown us who he is over the, over his time span in Atlanta, that he leans towards veterans. And so this, this leans towards Felix Hernandez and Cole Hamels getting more opportunities, more so than guys like Sean Newcomb, who I personally think are going to slide and Joe, you're completely right. You know, he hasn't had uh, many long reliefs. He's had the one long relief uh, option back in uh, back last season. But I think he's won because we're going to be dealing with such a strange schedule that he is one of those guys who gets shoved in that spot uh, because there's not there's not much room for error. And with that being the case, Brian Stickers, he's just always told us that he prefers veteran presence which would lean towards your your Felix and your Cole. I would almost wonder, and I'm glad you mentioned manager Brian Snitker, Caleb, because we know that that Snit, and again, probably one of the most, I wouldn't say bipolar, but there's probably more divided reactions on a manager of this caliber than there is for any other team in baseball, which I find very interesting. For the you amount either of love them or hate them. For the amount of success that he has had and brought the Braves organization, there's still a a wide, varying range of opinions. And the biggest criticism of him is his selective loyalty to guys. And a lot of times that loyalty rests on the people who have gone through the organization. So I almost wonder if it goes the opposite way, Caleb. I'm wondering if 
there might be a certain reluctance to lean on a guy like a Hamels or a, or, a, or Hernandez and maybe lean on more of the organizational guys, the Kyle Wrights, the, the, you mentioned Tuki Toussaint, Joe, uh, and of course uh, Sean Newcomb. I'm, I'm wondering if, if this is a particular avenue because of where the financials are going to be in the offseason, there might be a significant um, desire from the Braves organization to try and fortify what they have locked up for beyond this year as opposed to you know the one-year flyer guys that they have. So I feel like this could actually have a detrimental effect on, on Hernandez and Hamels because they want to make sure that they've got guys who are locked down for 2021 as opposed to uh, just trying to to make it through the 2020 sprint. Yeah, I, Will, I think there, you're definitely right in that there is going to be a developmental aspect to some of the decisions that are made as to like who you want to try to invest in during this season, especially during a season where, you know, again, I, I think when we look back, um, it will, We I mean, we've talked about this before, whether the season will kind of be an asterisk season or whatever. I do think that over time it will look at it more normally, but in the in the shorter term, people will kind of look at it differently. So, do you do you use that opportunity to try to? Uh, I don't know if it's a risk to like pit to to try to go with or err on the side of going with your own guys, Sean Newcombs and Kyle Wrights over, you know, the, the, these guys that are like a Felix Hernandez who's on a short term one year contract who's probably not going to be with you for the, for the long haul. Um, I do think that no matter what decision Brian Snicker makes in these situations, and I'm sure that these decisions will also be made in tandem with Alex Anthopoulos, you know, they, they kind of work together and they have a really good working relationship uh, when it comes to these kinds of things. I do think that whatever decision they make will have a bigger impact than they normally would because of the, the shortened season, right? Like you were saying, every, every start carries more value. Every game in a 50-game season has the weight of a three-game series, right? Actually, a little bit more. So, like, everything is going to carry so much more value this year. It's going to be really important that Brian Snicker and, hell, every manager around baseball gets these decisions right. And it's going to be, you know, fascinating to kind of watch and see how that plays out. And there's not going to be a lot of time um, to give guys who are on a bad run to like give them their routine at bats and kind of try to get them in a rhythm because again these games are so valuable you don't really have time to kind of you know wait through a, a, a batting slump whether it's you know if, if you're talking about a guy you want you're putting in a DH slot or or you know waiting for a guy on the mound to kind of get his uh, stuff together if he's if he's in poor form there's just not those opportunities this year so it's going to be really interesting to kind of see if there's a more moving and shaking in lineups and in pitching rotations as the year progresses. Well, and here's the other thing. There's no minor leagues mm-hmm. this year. There's no, oh, so-and-so is struggling. Let's just send him over to Gwinnett and let him try to figure things out. Or, you know, somebody needs to rehab and we'll send him up to Rome in order to get him some some experience and some time. You know, getting comfortable again. There is none of that. And so you're you're stuck with who you have. So we might end up with all-out chaos just based on if a guy were to get hurt or if I mean if you're a starter and you have two bad starts there's no way we can give you a third like you're you're gonna get you know it's just one of those I'm thinking back to to Fulte like there's just right. there's there's no way you give a guy like that time and time again 
uh, w- with games meaning so much, you, you've got to figure out who you're turning to next. And then I guess the, the problem that I kind of foresee is say you have X guy who is struggling and I mean, I mean where's he going to go to work on his mechanics because they really don't even want you in the facility hardly. They don't want you showering after games. True. So yeah. where where are you supposed to go to work on your craft to to try to get better? I, I would I would think that the that baseball teams will have some sort of like instructional league type setup where they've got simulated games going on and stuff. But it's really interesting to see kind of the way that um, baseball is kind of preliminarily structuring this thing with this kind of. 20 man squad on the side that like like I don't know exactly what those players will be doing how they will be kind of staying ready to to go up to the major league system but yeah you're right Caleb I agree and and I'm glad you brought up Fulty because and this is something again I don't mean to turn this into the criticize Brian Snitker podcast because I I happen to generally think that he does a better job than a lot of Braves fans give him credit for, but another thing that he has had as a uh, a negative on his side of the ledger is the uh, is how long of a leash he lets guys have, and and the Mike Fultonevich start in the playoffs is a prime example of that, and and you know we were talking a lot about the comparisons of like you know who's the real ace, whether it's Soroka emerging or whether Fulty's numbers can. Uh, resume and resurrect to what they were in his all-star season and again like I said I don't know if someone is going to have the opportunity over the course of a shortened season to win back any kind of goodwill and and like you said Caleb I'm wondering what exactly that looks like from a standpoint of you know this 20-person taxi squad that they're either going to be taking with them or, or leaving behind in Atlanta uh, the the one thing that's very interesting about the way that a major league baseball roster and organization is organized is that you know like for example football only has you know five to seven guys on a practice squad uh, you probably only have two to three guys on an NBA squad that are inactive for a game and when it comes to baseball heck you have a usually limitless amount of resources that you can go to if say someone goes on the injured list or somebody is ineffective that is going to be placed at a significant premium this year and with the condensed schedule that makes all of those decisions that much more uh calculated and and important because of the fact that you know not trusting a guy or trusting the wrong guy could be detrimental for you in the long run yeah and and I do think also there's a very psychological aspect to all this shuffling up of, you know, if a guy's not performing, then get somebody else in there who is. And especially when we talk about a guy like Mike fulton who is like very well-known, maybe the most well-known Braves player who has had these kind of struggles in the past with, you know, what's going on in his head. Um, don't know if that'll be the same this year, but that's another that's another conversation. But I think that, you know, how will it affect some of these guys psychologically? I personally think, so when it comes to baseball management, um, I have a very broad philosophy or theory on this, which is that you can always complain about the decisions that a manager makes in game. He should have put in this pitcher. He should have put in that pitcher. He should have taken this guy out out earlier or later, whatever. You know, there's always going to be those debates because when a decision is made, there's a certain outcome. And based on that outcome, you can always make an argument that some other decision should have been made or that it was the correct decision. I think generally speaking, 
the best baseball managers are the ones that keep the psychology of the clubhouse together and keep the the psychology positive and in a and, and keeps the players in a mindset that allows them to be able to perform at an optimal level. And I think that it'll be interesting to see if some managers around the league who decide to make these decisions, uh, you know, these decisions to pull guys, you know take a guy out of the rotation after two bad starts or, you know, these kinds of things, if that actually has a negative effect, um, even that could pervade, you know, further down, further reaches in the locker room. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting to kind of see how this plays out. And I think that that's one of the reasons like why I think Brian Snicker is one of the better managers in baseball, just simply because he, he keeps that, that psychology going in the locker room that allows these players to be able to perform. Um, and yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Don't don't forget with all of these things that at least to my understanding, I, I was uh, trying to find it to see if in all of these rule changes and, and things that they plan to do for this season, if they're sticking with my understanding is the three batter minimum is still going yeah. to happen this season. So throw that wrench into the mix of now you're having to make decisions based on there's there's no more all of this you know scouting for one batter kind of deal that we've seen for years and years in the past it is you got to throw your guy out there who has to at least get three batters out before we move on to the discussion and negotiations between players and owners which brave do you believe that the number one layoff and number two a shortened season which brave do you feel like this has the most uh who who do you think it has the most impact on in a negative sense hmm that's a tough one i would say a guy like nick markakis which is probably not like a sexy name that anybody wants to hear and honestly people are like probably like good because <laughs> i feel like not a lot of people like to see markakis in the lineup day to day i think in a longer season you would see nick markakis get more regular not regular at bats but just like be used more often in a dh role or in an outfield role to move somebody else to a dh um to kind of rotate things around i don't think that will probably happen as much anymore i think that you're probably likely to see austin riley or johan camargo kind of well i, I would expect both those guys to kind of be in the lineup more often whether one of them is playing third base, one of them's DHing, one of them's in the outfield, like however you want to arrange it, will will shit will rotate around. But I think that the shorter season will um, hurt some of these guys who are going to be utility players or bench players that were going to have some sort of role in a DH spot. So it's funny Joe is thinking along the lines of of a guy who went from a starting role who's going to now take a back seat. Uh, for one, when it comes to the third base argument, I, I sent it to you guys this week, and I don't know if our, our listeners uh, read The Athletic with David O'Brien having a conversation with Ron Washington, where Ron Washington has actually come out and at, he's point Blake said, Austin Riley is the third base of the future. What he sees is Austin Riley most likely staying in that third base role, and Johan Camargo kind of bouncing around, platooning uh, in different positions, which when I read that, I thought, now I know that this particular guy was barely even signed to the team this season, 
but he was so monumental last year, in my opinion, is Charlie Culberson. Yeah. A guy who who can fill in in so many different positions, but his bat was so important last year at times. And I just don't think there's going to be much room for him, much like a Marcakis, where you know it's shortened and you have other guys who can fill those roles and there won't be those long stretches of time where guys will get some consecutive days off and Culberson and Marcakis will will get that time that just that won't exist especially with you know you you having Ozuna who's going to come in and DH some or mostly play out in the field or you have Riley and Camargo kind of bouncing around those positions my answer kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the pitching uh Felix Hernandez and Cole Hamels, I think the combination of those two guys, uh, this is probably the worst thing for them because uh, they earn their money based off of, you know, not only reputation but full seasons of work and their inability to to add to that combined with the reluctance of what it sounds to me like a lot of uh, owners and general managers across baseball, they're going to all be very reluctant to spend money this offseason and with those guys only being on one-year deals, it puts their amount of opportunity to showcase themselves at a premium. Say the season's only 50 games long. What does that mean? Maybe eight to 10 starts at the, at the very most. That's not a very big, that's, that's not a very big sample size. And again, that's not even taking into account the postseason. And I think there is, like we said earlier, going to be a, a concerted effort from managers and general managers to see what they have in their organizations because they want to make sure that they have assets for the future that can turn themselves into profits down the road for them. Uh, They're going to want to be taking more chances on guys who are under team control as opposed to guys who you won't have beyond 2020. Yeah, and I I just want to make a quick point. I don't know if this relates as much to starting pitchers like you were just talking about, Will, but I just generally think you will see the bullpen pitchers used more. That depth will be relied on more, and the bench depth will be relied on less. And I feel like the bullpen, that puts the Braves at a very significant strength because they fortified that during the offseason, we hope. (laughs) (laughs) Given uh, the discussion that we've had, we do want to at least spend some time on what was said by the two sides still negotiating. This is what Chip Carey had to tell John and Hugh about the fact that we do not have a plan for baseball as of the recording of this podcast. I'm disgusted by this. Uh, We have a global pandemic. We've had 100,000 people in our country die from coronavirus. We have rioting in the streets. Uh, The other sports are getting their act together, and they're finding ways to work together to get their games back on the field to give people entertainment. Uh, and baseball is acting like collectively, players and owners alike, acting like Wiley Coyote with the anvil. And it happens over and over and over again. Uh, speaking strictly as a fan, I don't care about the money. I don't want to hear about it. And the uh, hundreds of fans that I uh, inter- interact with, uh, you know, in my world, they're sick of it too. And that's Chip Carey, Braves broadcaster for Fox Sports South. Again, joining our John and Hugh on 92.9 The Game, our parent station, um, Part of his sentiments are part of the reason why I didn't want to lead with discussion of the negotiations because I think most baseball fans know the economics of the situation by now. The players want full prorated money. The owners don't want to give it to them because they don't believe they have the cash flow. 
Uh, they believe that the most that they can give the players at this point is around 48 to 50 games worth of a prorated schedule. Uh, there's a lot of the argument whether or not they'll get some deferred money if there is a postseason, if there isn't a postseason. To me, Joe, uh, more of the optimistic people over the course of the last couple of days have said that Major League Baseball players are more inclined to play the season you use the term under protest but play it but with a, an eye towards trying to negotiate more for the future it seems to me like the doom and gloom we won't have baseball discussions are away but regardless the tenor of the relationship between these two is incredibly fra- fractured right now yeah and from what i understand there is a potential for these players to play to accept some sort of agreement that even below a prorated salary to play more games and literally play those games like under some sort of grievance where an arbitrator can then go back and make a make a decision that could potentially award them more money like a, an arbitrator could theoretically say okay well like yeah i'm determining that you you legally should have been receiving your prorated salaries and thus you'll be compensated therefore uh, as much so there's, and, and that seems to be the reason why, like, there will definitely be some games played this year. Um, it, that which all stems back to that original agreement that all of this kind of dis, uh, disagreement has been centered around in recent negotiations that said that you know they'd be receive prorated salaries if you know fans were or except if uh, fans were not allowed in the stadiums. Um, I'm just ready for them to play some baseball. <laughs> I feel like, Same. you know, I, I cover Major League Soccer and the players are not happy with the agreement, you know, like w- with the situation. And I think they have legitimate grievances, by the way. Like, I, I think that, you know, this is not a good situation for players. It's not ideal, but it's not it's not an ideal situation for anybody. And you just kind of have to, I don't know, like you're never going to suck get, it up. Yeah, you're never going you to get to an ideal deal now i do understand again it's like i think the common person can uh, can relate to the fact that like it's uh, it stings to like have to come back to work and receive less pay because you're working less time like a like a way like an hourly wage worker is during this time and for your wage to then be cut so like if you were work- making 20 dollars an hour and now you're making 15 or whatever you know like that's like twice Before we pain. even get to the health risks yeah right exactly but um but that said, it's just, you know, it's what can you do? What can, what can you do? So here's the thing that I've kind of been stuck on this entire time with all of these negotiations when it comes to the financials and everything like that is I keep hearing players say that they don't want they, they don't want to have to deal with any sort of cut or reduced salary. And my problem with that is is that there is an obvious issue that's happening with when these games get started. There's not going to be fans. And so it seems like the discussion has been based on, well, how much money do the fans really matter? We obviously, we can you know look at financial records and, and just realize just from a general standpoint that, of course, fans bringing their butts into seats brings a lot of cash flow to these teams. Now, with that being said, this latest proposal showed that the owners were willing to to fold some on, you know, where whereas before we were dealing with like a, a 30% prorated salary, now we're up to a 50% prorated salary and if we have playoffs, then we go up to 75. 
Yeah, I don't so, buy that the I don't buy that the latest proposal is anything different than what they did. It's the same amount of money. It's just it's just organized differently in my mind. Yeah, and and I well, do you mean from the from the 50 owners games? Yeah, from the owners' perspective, they're basically promising the same money, but packaged differently. It's just it's packaged differently. Yeah, it's pretty much like this is them getting paid for fifty games in order to play seventy six. Now the thing is. If the players do come back and and it would it would be uh, not funny's not the right word, but it would be humorous <laughs> if the players end up agreeing to a fifty game deal at one hundred percent of a prorated salary, because then it's like, hmm, we're back in the same money, right? Which is why I like what uh, Jeff Passan did. He actually threw out the the total number, which is I think one point four three one billion dollars. Like, that's the number that we're dealing with when it comes to players getting paid, um, you know, bonus money getting sent out for the postseason, all of these things kind of going on. <clears throat> but it, it's based around, yes, players, you're going to have to take uh, a little bit of a hit and understand everyone else is, is taking, you know, a, a big hit as well. And it's just... The frustrating part is I've heard so many people, um, well, while I've been producing the, the CBS network, because I've he heard guys time and time again hop on and talk about Major League Baseball thinks they are something that they are not anymore. And I wholeheartedly agree with that, that they, Major League Baseball, and especially the players, are kind of negotiating this like the world will stop if there's no baseball this season. But it is one of those where... If they if they get started later than July 4th, which is what it looks like they're headed towards, if they start around football season, that means there are less eyes paying attention to them. If they start after or around July 31st, when, when uh, basketball gets started up, there are less eyes paying attention to them. They need to capitalize on eyeballs having nothing else to watch besides Korean baseball and Bundesliga in order to... To like build some of that trust back because like fans, you know, you're not only getting the diehard fans, you're getting the average fan, and if they have something else to watch, they're most likely going to do that. A because Major League Baseball's name's been tarnished in the media for weeks based on them not being able to come to an agreement, and also because. Some might say the game's slower and not as attractive as other leagues. I would say regardless of how long the season goes, there's already been enough irreparable harm because this has exposed a large underbelly that I think a lot of hardcore baseball fans and even the three of us had already known about, and it's just going to get worse. And like I said, it could even get worse by the time the next offseason comes because of the fact that the CBA is up 60 seconds or less. How long does the season need to be? For you to consider it to be number one legitimate and two asterisk free. Oh gosh, I I think we're already at a point where it is. I I think it's legitimate regardless, uh, and I and I think that there will be an asterisk regardless. I, but I think that asterisk fades over time. Like I, it'll be a cudgel that other teams, whoever wins, whoever does not win it, all the other twenty nine teams. They'll all beat the. They'll all use it as as a stick to to beat the winner with. Just a troll, because that's our that's the way <laughs> that's the way the internet works, right? Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, you know, I I think that once the game starts, we'll all enjoy it, and 
take it for what it is. So I I hate the idea of this, but I think anything less than 50 games, even though I hope that they play 76 or 82 or something a little bit longer, I think 50 games is the minimum. It seems like both the Players Association and the owners have thrown that as the minimum. I hope it stays there. And also, you know, we talk about asterisks and, and all of those kinds of things that will... will people take this seriously hey i'm all for the braves winning it and then we can figure that out later <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> i think it has to be 65 or more in order for me to be somewhat able to take it seriously just because again uh, so much of what this season is going to mean it's going to mean a departure from the norm and i know that for people like joe not to pick on you, Joe, but for people like Joe, you want to see a departure from the norm. And while I agree that departure for the norm is is not might be a good thing, I think the the long marathon nature of baseball is what set the Braves up to to be successful this season. And unfortunately, that has gone by the wayside. But we'll see what happens over the course of the next couple of days and weeks. Uh, if again we get an agreement, we will come back as we continue to say we will have an emergency podcast. There will be an emergency <laughs> podcast at some point when we actually get a deal. I've got to go back ready. Deal, I'm I'm ready to do it. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to make it happen. And of course, if you uh, if we get one, you can find it here not only on the Radio.com app. Subscribe, follow, download, and also wherever you get your podcasts. Search Batter Up, and you can follow us on Twitter at Willie P Style, at J A Patrick Two Hundred, and at ATL Johnson Eighteen. You've been listening to Batter Up, a ninety-two-nine The Game and Radio.com exclusive. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.